2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the 211, Renault and Dacia range. Get your card delivered to you in just a couple of clicks. Call us today to find out more or visit blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors.
1: Welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio Hope you all had a lovely weekend Enjoyed it myself immensely, have to say And, you know, the news is good Things are starting to open up a little bit more The numbers are great as well Fingers fingers crossed. Let's hope. Let's hope. We live in hope, don't we? We always do. Well, we always do on this show, for sure. Thank you for joining us once more this afternoon. On the show today, we're going to be talking to somebody who's involved in the healthcare business, what their job is like, what's it all about. We're going to Washington. Yes, Suzanne Lynch, the Irish Times. Washington correspondent from Trim is joining us today. Uh, Paula Fiennes, very interesting woman. She's going to be chatting to me about balancing work Home and life, and that's balance between men and women, our partnerships in a relationship as well. It's one of the biggest causes of angst for people. It really, really is. And Paul is a brilliant, brilliant lady. She's with us here a little bit later on on the show. Ah, just a little breaking news. Uh, I don't know whether uh, you heard it already. I was watching it on BBC very early this morning. You know, the Mars helicopter called Ingenuity. They've uh, a mission on Mars at the moment, NASA. And they have this little helicopter-type drone thing called Ingenuity. And they were trying to fly it today. They didn't know it would, but it's flown. And it's actually flown over the Martian landscape. And they're absolutely thrilled. That You'll hear more about that as uh, the story unfolds through the afternoon and on the news bulletins later on in the day. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, the usual number is 086-1800-658. You can WhatsApp or text me here to studio or 1850 715 958 If you'd like to call into the show, AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juventus, Liverpool, Man City and United, Real Madrid. And Tottenham Hotspur. Yes, they are the founding members of the new European Super League. There are three more we're told to join. There'll be five qualifiers each year to make it up to 20 teams. Two divisions of 10. Home and away in a league basis, should I say, before they go into knockout in the final stages. And all games midweek. And the clubs intending to remain in their respective domestic leagues. Well, has everyone been caught on the hop well I wonder has Paul Lennon soccer writer with the Irish Daily Star afternoon again Paul
3: Good afternoon Jerry
1: Did this come like a rocket from Mars? I was talking about Mars a minute ago, but I was sort of taken aback when I heard the breaking story last evening, Paul.
3: Yeah, well, I think you wait for hours as well because we're still in talks with the European Super League group up until Thursday or Friday um, because, um, I mean, this is an ongoing story for probably 40 years, would you believe? The the reason why the Champions League, the current format of, of the Champions League was brought in in 1992 was to stop this sort of development because we can remember when the old European Cup was only for the champions of each country. Yeah. Now, of course, if, if you're second or third of, or even fourth in some countries, you get into it. So that was done to stop the clubs break, trying to break away 30 years ago. Every so often, the big clubs come back again, demanding more games and, more importantly, greater, a greater slice of the, of the financial cake. So a few, weeks ago, sorry, a few months ago... The European Super League, these big clubs, uh, sort of uh, sounded notice that they were very intent on doing this. But there were talks with UEFA, and UEFA announced a new plan, a new enlarged and, and more lucrative Champions League for from a few years' time, and that seemed to sorted it out. But now suddenly, as you say, over the weekend, the European Super League, these clubs that the ones you've just mentioned are those twelve, have gone off and decided to preempt. Any potential agreement with UEFA to bring in their own league? Now, I'm not sure if it's going to work. Uh, I think what this is is a negotiating stance by these clubs because they are intent on having more games in Europe. They're intent on limiting the number of other teams that can come into it, and most importantly, they're intent on being able to, to bring in more more money. Which, to me, is The last bit of it is understandable. All big businesses want to do that. But all it means at the end of the day is players become more, uh, (laughs) sorry, become wealthier and more powerful (laughs) because there's only a limited number of players. And that's where the the money just ends up being split between them.
1: Yeah, and obviously these uh, plus the three they say are to uh, come forward soon as well. They will be guaranteed participation. They'll be looking for this every year, regardless if they have a poor domestic season or whatever. They're saying, we're going to be in this competition every year regardless.
3: That's it. Uh, and it will be kind of a, more along the lines of the franchise system in, in, in big American sports. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think you can see the influence of, 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 the, of, the, of the four big American team sports uh, from, from the USA and Canada in, in this scheme. Mm. And um, I think it's, it's, it's no great, no surprise that you, you have very wealthy owners from the, from the States, from uh, there's a bit of Chinese interest, of course, and there's um, there's interest from the from the owners from the Gulf states, mm. uh, from Russia, of course, from uh, Roman Abramovich. So you, you can see where this, this is this has been heading for a few years. I still think um, I don't see it happening as as it's out portrayed here, but will it go in that direction? Definitely yes in the next few years. Isn't
1: that interesting? And I was just thinking, taking for a moment that it would happen, and they've appointed uh, people as uh, the chairperson of it, the, the investors, JP Morgan, have come forward. There seems to be a lot of preparatory work done here. If it did happen to run, Paul, these clubs obviously still want to participate in their domestic leagues and play this midweek.
3: Yeah, that, and um, I, 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 that causes, me, as you said, it's 18... 18- ...group games before you even start getting to the uh, the locker stage. Now, it must be said, uh, in the old Champions League uh, system of of about 15, 20 years ago, there were two group stages, so you could end up playing 12, 14, 16, 18, 20 games if you got to the last eight or last four, but... This new system would increase the number of games that are currently played, uh, because if you go, if you bow out in the group stage, you only play six games. Now you can end up going into the Europa League, etc., etc., but eighteen would be a substantial rise for most clubs and games. That causes problems for domestic leagues and in, in midweek games, midweek cup matches, etc., etc. And I think it would also probably impinge on the on the international windows as well. So there, there's problems with that. Uh, I think if, the, if the, the leagues have come out very strongly, as have UEFA and FIFA against this, if they are to um, be be really strong and, and coherent in this, they've got to say that any club in being involved in this won't be allowed to take part. In, in the domestic leagues. And that would really, really, I think, put it up to these clubs. Uh, because, OK, th- th- there will be huge money involved in this. Don't, don't have any, any doubts about this. You're talking about the current money, which you can earn maybe 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 million from the Champions League. It's huge money for the, for the successful clubs. You will see that doubling, possibly even trebling per year. But losing the, uh, the, their, the their domestic bread and butter will have an impact... The lowest placed club, the 20th place club in in the Premier League, is guaranteed an income of a hundred million pounds per year per season. That's huge money. Mm. And it w- even at like the big clubs, like Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, that would, losing that would have an impact. There's no doubt about it. And I think fans wouldn't be too happy if they were restricted to playing only European games because um, the, the, the fact that you play your neighbours or you play the, the club from the next city or from you know your own country. Still, is still important. I think the current um, setup of of the Champions League and the domestic leagues works pretty well yeah. in terms of competition. But I, as I said to you earlier, I think there will you you will, will see some 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 sort of a halfway house between this proposal and what's currently in place.
1: Doesn't it show you what you alluded to a few moments ago? There that when the ownership of clubs passes into the hands of uh, hard nosed business people who are in the game to make money from the game that's what it's all about they have no love particularly for the clubs or the fans or the tradition or the history owners in the Middle East in the USA in Russia in China other parts of the world aren't the chickens coming home to roost now for the fans and the the core base of football
3: yeah it is if 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 you um... It's, it's the thing about, about, about football is <clears throat> funny enough in, in the in the American system in, in the in the franchises that when it comes to the draft system, the worst club or the worst franchise always gets the, the choice of the of the best rookie yeah. uh, college player to, to try try and bring in some some sort of equanimity in in, in, in their games in yes. their leagues. Funny, football, in many ways, is the most uh, sort of uh, market driven sport in the world. You know, it's. It's dog eat dog. The best teams try to sign all the best players, and, and then that can benefit smaller clubs, etc. Because they make money out of transfer fees. But it is the free market at its best or its worst, depending which, which way you look at it. And when big money comes in, wealthy owners, some of them are there to make money. I think probably a lot of them are there for the glory, of the success. Like Abramovich has probably. Put in over one billion of his own money into Chelsea in the last twenty years, so he has subsidized it to a large extent. He gets he gets the glory of it. He can afford a billion uh, pounds; mm. he, he's that wealthy. The, the Gulf states, the, the, the we have the Abu Dhabi, uh, basically the government own, owns Manchester City. Uh, you know, I mean, their their wealth is is, is limitless. You know, so mm. again. It, it, it these are kind of little, meaning distractions for these for these
0: conglomerates,
3: yes. these individuals or these states. Mm.
1: Well, let's talk uh, on a more local basis for a moment. Just look up the road from where we sit today at Dundalk, Paul, and again, uh, Peak Six uh, owners from the United States, and you know they've put in a lot of money. They've had success. But what's happened at the start of this season, like, it's a farce is all you can say about it. You look at Giovannioli, he won the cup with them, he guided them into the group stages of the, of the Europa League last year. He's gone. Paul Keegan uh, in there with the licence, he's gone. We hear Giuseppe Rossi is staying on the coach today and they're on the hunt for, for a new boss. You know, what's going on there? Why all this upheaval?
3: Well, it, it, it all goes back to when Finney uh, <clears throat> Perth, who, who succeeded Stephen Kenny um, at the start of the uh, 2019 season, almost won the treble with him in the first season. He, he basically took, he, he obviously, took over a very, very good squad, a winning squad, an experienced squad, added one or two to it. But at the start of last season, uh, the owner, which he's entitled to to some extent, um, and the owner, the owner's uh, father, Bill Hultziser, uh who is the hands-on person from the Peak Six group who deals day-to-day, week-to-week with the club, with the FC, his influence became um, more prominent as the weeks and months began. I, I also feel that the break last year, the COVID break, uh, for three months of no, no football, probably didn't do really any 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 good, because... There was, there was no football going on and Bill Hulsizer's influence increased. So when the summer came, Bill was basically uh, influencing team matters on, on a regular basis. So Vinnie no, had no choice but to, to leave. Once you get to that position, and you see it in, Ch- in Chelsea with Abramovich, yep. Abramovich is a very hands-on owner. I mean, we saw his rootlessness when he got rid of um, Lampard a few months ago to bring in Tuchel. And he, he's, he's done very well since. So... These owners want fairly instant results. They're paying big money. I mean, Dundalker, it's, it's costing somewhere heading for 4 million this year to run Dundalk Football Club. That's by far the biggest budget any League of Ireland club has ever had. There's been clubs at 2.5, 2.8, 3 million, but now heading for 4 million. Uh, that's colossal money. And it's underwritten by Peak Six. So they want uh, bang for the buck. So, uh, you know, it's. Interesting to see what will happen now. Will Mitchilton go into the hot seat? Probably not. they the current sporting director. They're probably bringing in another manager. But he's under incredible and immense pressure from the minute he, he arrives into the club because he's dealing with pressure on the pitch. He's dealing with pressure from fans. And most of all, he's dealing with pressure from the owners.
1: Let's just hear uh, just an excerpt from the interview Jim McJilton gave post match on uh, the way over the weekend when uh, Dundalk got a draw with Saint Patrick's Athletic. I just want to hear this, Paul, for a second. It's about a minute. Here we go. Listen, before we start, next twenty, I know you're going to ask questions about what's happened over the last twenty four hours, we're not going to answer any questions. That okay? So we'll make a statement in due course. There you go. So if we want to talk about the game. Just talk about the game. Your
3: statement is that due course is that
1: today no it'll be in due course you'll appreciate that seems like a rather strange it's well it's what it is so game or not well,
3: who, who picked the team today for the game today? who do you think picked the team I'm not, I'm not <laughs> right game anyone, anyone want to talk about the game that is game
1: related Jim it is game related yeah anyone want to talk about the game
3: well I've asked you a question about the game yeah community. Well, who do you think
1: picked
3: the game? Who, who picked the team? Who do you think picked the
1: team? The team was the team would have been already picked, you know I think going into this game, going into a game like this.
3: It it is difficult to talk about the game when everything else is going around. So that's the only problem. Mm. So, like, in terms
1: of. But well, listen, we will clarify all this in due course. We no, my my role my role will be, again, listening to. All parties in this. Okay, and then as I said, yeah, we will make a decision. Paul, you've been on the (laughs) the opposite side. I don't know whether you were there at that the other night, were you? No, I was not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was uh, tetchy to say the least, as you can can hear hear from that for sure. You know. It's, uh, you know, he just didn't want to enter into any discussion. But we do know now they have issued a statement thanking Keegan, thanking Giovanni and saying that Rossi is staying on and that they're on the hunt uh, for somebody else at the moment. The fans are very unhappy, uh, Dundalk fans. And now you have, you know, a situation where, as you said, Peak Six have pumped in some money and will continue to pump in the biggest budget ever in the history of the league. But fans would rather see them gone, Paul.
3: Yeah, and, and, you, and you can see why that, that's the case because they're they're looking at this turmoil. Um, they're looking at a situation where they had um, they had the most successful team of the modern era under Stephen Kenny, which followed with, with Vinnie Perrot has to be said as well. Eleven major trophies since 2014. They see it being undermined. What they probably want to see is, and whether this can be achieved, I'm not quite sure. They probably would like to see Peak, peak Six continue as owners. But they would like them to be more benign uh benefit owners yeah. and treat the people who are there uh in a better manner uh and see and see stability and see the the what's the, the investment that's um and generally put in as huge money being spent is that is reflected in 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 a more mature a more stable uh, environment at the club
1: mm. Whether that happens now remains to be seen and uh, watch this space over the coming days, week and months and a final word Paul like just back to the uh, the, the, the story that's everywhere at the moment you honestly believe that this will not proceed as uh, the uh, Super League have announced you cannot see that happening under any circumstances?
3: I, no I, I think there's, there's too much opposition to it there's a pr- there are practical problems to it but I believe this is another another step in the negotiating um, ploy by these big, big clubs to, to uh, copper fasten their own positions in, in European football and that you will see a, a – a, eventually you will see an agreement – um, you will see a super league brought in with more guaranteed, with club, a greater number of clubs being guaranteed positions. But there will still be controlled by UEFA and controlled by by individual associations.
1: Uh, football evolves and will continue to evolve always That's the nature of it It is a big business now And we haven't even mentioned Jose I hear uh, I, 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 somebody rumoured that he has a black and white scarf on him And was seeing booking an Aer Lingus flight for Dublin And a taxi to Dundalk I can't uh, confirm that or deny it, But anyway we'll see what happens there And the other thing just before you go Because I know you love them and follow them for years By the way there's an interesting game in the Premier League tonight It's Leeds and Liverpool Paul
3: well, it'll be interesting, yeah. But um, I, I thought Leeds, my old club, could have could have taken a point from the the, the opening day uh, against Liverpool. It would have been unlucky, a, a dreadful decision for a penalty, and that was kind of glossed over by most of the uh, pundits in, in in England. But um, interestingly, uh, Leeds will go for it the again. They'll they'll yeah. play their attacking football, and um, you know, whether they, whether they lose two one three one or win three one, he be as changes philosophy and I, I think it's refreshing.
1: It is indeed. They're great to watch. The best team to watch in the league by far this year. Paul, I'm always grateful. Thank you indeed for joining me on the show. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. That's Paul Lennon there, soccer writer with the Irish Daily Star. Do you ever take... Uh, is it a Figari or, or What Which is it, Louise?
4: I don't know. We had this conversation before. It's just, I can't v, remember. Is
1: it? It's Vigari, isn't it? We I used to so. call it a vigary, it but yet yeah, No, it's Vigari. You're right. A Vagheri. You know what a Vigari is. You do something a little bit mad on the cuff. Well, well I did uh, it was last actually I meant to mention here on the show it was last Friday you know the lovely sunshine in the mornings real early the mm-hmm. frosty morning I woke up and I looked out the window and I thought oh mother of god look at the windows <laughs> they were grey <laughs> they were grey so what did I do well, that was about quarter to seven there was nobody else in the house I went downstairs got the I don't know what it was it was a spray thing anyway and some cloth and I cleaned all the windows on the front of the house upstairs where the sun was coming in
4: you in did the bedrooms,
1: not. yeah, I did clean and the whole lot of them outside, hung out the window outside, and then on the inside.
4: And you only said here a couple of weeks ago that the last time oh, I cleaned it and your son got married. Yeah, it's
1: about three years ago, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm not mad at that. Was but, there a
4: big difference?
1: Oh, was the what? Night and day. I couldn't believe it, but it just got me on the morning. Something just said to me, clean those windows, and I did. I cleaned them, and you know what? Oh, they're just sparkling, and there was really no rain. Little bit over the weekend, but not not a patch in them Still, they look great.
4: Any method? Uh, Maybe some people no, clean no. and have no streaks oh yeah there was a few no streaks, streaks.
1: I had to go at them a couple of times I think newspaper is great they say newspaper is the best thing for shining windows shining glass I think it is it really is but I with two cloths you know application cleaner and then I gave it a good buffing up on outside and it's amazing what you You might think it's all on the outside but the inside you know Same. carries as well so uh, but when looking out, I can see clearly <laughs> now the dirt is gone I could just look out and there she was it was just a different type of day
4: Did you remove any spiders from their
1: Home. <laughs> I probably did watch <laughs> That's life. Life's a beach when you're a spider on my windows. It's not. You're safe for three years. So there've probably been three generations of spiders in those three years. When you think of it, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there was. I'm very kind to spiders, and I actually do love spiders. I don't. I don't. If I ever get a spider in the house, I catch him, carry him out, and maybe release him into my greenhouse or the garage or whatever. I'd never damn hurt hurt a spider. But there you are.
4: I won't do the outside windows if there's spider webs. <laughs> Will you not? No,
1: I'll get honoured. All son right. To do okay. It. Anyway, that was Everyone. my my my. Did you ever take of it anything like that? Do you ever do anything like that yourself? A vagary? A vagary?
4: Not that I can think of offhand. Okay, there
1: you go. Well, anyway. Probably did. Maybe somebody listening today took a vagary like I did recently. If you did, if you have a vagary that you took, let me know about it today on the show. 086 1800 658. You can WhatsApp or text me or 1857 15958 if you'd like to call in. Now the bloody problem is I have to go downstairs (laughs) and start all over again. And I'll have to keep... Well, ah, there's always a year or two before you can go back at them again. (laughs) Don't be in any sort of hurry about it Still to come on late lunch this afternoon Well up next after two I'll tell you about a Paula Fiennes She's absolutely brilliant The biggest road that takes place in an awful lot of homes is The sharing of responsibilities Rearing the family The housework You name it People trying to work as well Paula Fiennes Don't miss her She's with me after two Such an interesting woman But taking us towards news and weather at two o'clock Just say yes It's Snow Patrol Snow Patrol in April Not a sign of it. Not a sign of it be able to
4: see the snow now
1: though I will I will you're right oh you're too smart for me Running out of now is there anything that causes more rows in a relationship than who does what at home and in the majority of cases it is women who carry the lion's share of responsibilities no matter what their circumstances Paula Fiennes has framed it brilliantly calling it the invisible job which is the title of our wonderful new book and she joins me on late lunch. Hello, Paula. Jerry, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for joining me on the show today. I think of this this any time this scenario comes to mind. And look, it I've had my own battles over the years. Let put me a cards on the table here with you for sure. But this is what I often think: we can't have it all. The ideal domestic scenario is one or other parent or who cares for the children if their children involved staying at home doing that job but here's the kick Paula being remunerated for it what remunerated for it yeah what what do you think of that you know what, what's your view on that
2: well, I think you said uh, a really famous phrase there, have it all. And everybody has this picture in their head of, you know, a woman who wants to have a job and have a home. And that's called having it all. Somehow it's it's a bizarre phrase. Mm. But actually, it's not having it all. It's a pretty simple request of can I have a job and yet have a family? And no man would think that's too much to ask. And it's not too much to ask for any woman. So that's basically, you know, all anybody's looking for. So your question was, uh, the ideal scenario is someone stays at home and is remunerated for it. Well, I think there's, no. everybody knows what a lovely thing it is for children to have a parent at home. It's a gorgeous feeling, you know, someone to be there, someone to make home feel lovely, feel safe, be looked after. There's no denying that. The question is, who does it? And I think we just presumed for decades that the only person who can do that has to be the mother. And that's where we have to just change our mindset. A woman or a man, before they have kids, knows very little about the whole thing, but they're both equally capable of learning. So I think we have to just take a step back and say, when you're deciding to have kids, how are we going to do it? Let's not presume it has to be one or other. So to do it while both people are working and trying to pay a mortgage it's hard going and it's not that the notion of should we be remunerated it's just should we make it financially possible for one or other parents or or even to take turns to be able to do that so because people would think the idea of being remunerated sounds crazy that's like stay at home and be paid to mind your own children that's not it at all but currently All the work that's involved in in, in parenting and running a home is unpaid. And you say, well, you're doing it for yourself, but really economists, when they invented GDP, the, the chief economists pointed out that we should really include all that work that happens in a home. But politicians at the time in the UK decided they'd, they'd fudge that and said, "That's oh, a bit tricky to to, to 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 include, leave it out. But actually, the UK has started measuring it again. And they worked out that this work in the home is 64% of the whole GDP. It's bigger than the financial industry. Yeah. It's worth $1.3 trillion. So it's not to be sneezed at. And all we need is to make it possible for parents to share this. And currently, the only um, ones who have a chance to do this because of work practices are, are mothers. If you ask your employer, can I have maternity leave? Can I work two days a week? Can I have some time off? Employers are happy to facilitate it. But if men were given just as much encouragement and equal opportunity to do it, then that's the ideal scenario so they both need to be you know at, earn enough money coming in so that so that they can still pay their bills yes. and iceland iceland have a brilliant system what they do when a couple has a baby the government and employers they allow both parents to have 3 months each on full salary
1: Madness. now
2: if you if you don't take it that's fine. If yep. you decide you're too important, you can't give up your work. Not a problem. But it's use it or lose it. You can't say, well, listen, I'm busy. I'm going to give my three months to my, to my partner. doesn't work. Take it or use it or lose it. And then you get another three months to decide how you're going to use it between you. So in total, you get nine months on full mm. pay. And that's a fantastic start into a brave new world of how on earth do I look after this small thing? Yes. Learn it all. And at the same time, I can still pay my mortgage and still come back to my job and no one will think any less of me.
1: I want to come on to that point because this is uh, really the nub of this as well. Because, you know, everybody, most people want to have their own home and own it, so they take out a mortgage and it can be substantial. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, if you want to both work, you need childminding and whatever guys that is, that costs a a lot of money as well. Think of you, you know, sort of, Those are the two big expenses and then, of course, running the house and everything like that. But you have the scenario where women and men, perhaps they want to work as well. They want to be stimulated outside the home. They want to contribute in other ways. You know what I'm getting at? It's a real conundrum, Paula.
2: Well, it is and it isn't. All the data would completely agree with you that you know, 90% of us want to work. And the funny thing is that 90% of men would say, I'd like my partner to be able to work as well. Mm. But when it comes down to how do we then manage that? Is that tricky bit in the middle of one or other of us, us has to make it happen? That's unless the state helps. So for instance, in the Netherlands, if you've got a couple who both work, childcare is free. Or if you're a single parent and you work, childcare is free. And they get all this money back through tax. The country sees it as an investment. We have one of the poorest systems of childcare here. Yeah. So that's what really makes it
1: hard. Mm. Oh, that's, uh, and that's another good example to cite there. It can be done and it has has been proven as well. Um Look, coming, broadening it out a bit from the financial aspect and the work as well, let's talk for a moment about the domestic work. You know, the rearing of children, all that has to be done around the house, feeding everybody, washing, you name it, it goes on and on and on. If you're in a relationship uh, at the moment as a woman who feels absolutely snowed over, perhaps you're working as well, you're more than likely to be working as well, how do you get your partner to wake up to the fact that you need help?
2: Well, I think this, that is a situation that every single woman that I interviewed found themselves in. And the best best advice I would have is, before you have children, try and have the conversation so that both of you know what lies ahead. Because bizarrely, not a single person I interviewed, and I include myself in that, knew what was coming before we had children. And this is despite going out and reading every baby book there was. The scale of what happens to your life in terms of the number of hours involved, is just off the charts. And it's the, the US government measure these kind of things every year. It's If you have a child under five in your house, it's about 60 hours of work Per week that you somehow have to pluck out of nowhere and add on top of the life you used to have, and we were, we all feel we're busy and we manage our work, but sixty hours have to appear from nowhere. So, if you if you're going to do this, it has to be one or other of you if you haven't got you know someone you can outsource it to. So the question is, how do we do it? And I would say to to women who feel somehow they've ended up being the ones do it doing it, they need to ask their partner. Do you see me as your equal? And I would hope that 99% of men would say, of course I do. In which case you say, right, well, let's just have a look at this big invisible job that we're trying to do. Because even if you live in the house with somebody who's doing all of this work, bizarrely, you can be very blind to it. Even if you're the one doing it, believe it or not, you can't see how big it is. Mm. So in order to get a sense of how big it is, you need to have a look at what I've called the invisible job description. It's a list of all the things you're doing. And any woman out there right now wouldn't have time to come up with this list. But you don't have to. You can download it for free if you go to theinvisiblejob.com. Have a look at that list and sit down, the two of you, on a quiet night, get a babysitter with a bottle of wine and say, look, these are the things that we're trying to manage between us. And more than likely, the partner who hasn't really been doing much of it will go, good God, I had no idea. I had no idea there was so much. And if it looks like too much, just scribble out things that you say, look, we're gonna stop doing that. There's no way we can do that and sod that as well. So you narrow it down a bit. And then of the things that are left, you've got to figure out a way of sharing them. And it's not, there's 138 of them, but they're not all equally important. The ones that really kill relationships are the ones that have to happen really frequently, maybe three or four times a day, or at least they happen several times a week. And they're the things like laundry, childcare, cooking midweek meals. If those ones are shared equally, relationships are happy. And there are studies in the book, for example, from Italy, where even if men do 30 percent of those ones, the ones that are high frequency with no flexibility, because if we could do it whenever we wanted, like a la carte, None of these tasks are any problem at all. But the thing is, if you've got to do it right now, even though you've got an email to send back to work or you've got to do this, those are the ones where when it comes down to it, they tend to fall to women. But Even if men do 30 percent of these, that's enough for their partner to feel that's okay. We're sharing this. We're doing it together. So I would say sit down with the list. Look at the ones that are kind of high frequency and no flexibility. Share those And then if you've room add on other ones that you think you can deal with and if if you can't find room between you for the others just agree with each other we're not doing those and we're not going to give out to each other if no one ever does them we're going to sod the gardening we're going to forget about insuring the house they just won't happen and then you then you kind of get a great sense of appreciation for just how big this job was and and how you just have to help each other out and appreciate whoever is doing it
1: and share so the wine divided equally? and share the Sh- share wine. The you, you start from that point. Share the wine when you sit down with that bottle. But we here's do. the thing. Here's the thing on a, on a greater societal uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a scenario now, changing it, you spoke about that there now. But you know, there's obviously a view. Or, you know, in society, in this country that says, you know, men are men and they do this. Women are women and they do the other. So how do we, you know, from early age school, in the home, if you have children now, if you're showing the example that you're doing everything as a woman, well, your children will see that as well and you're educating them the wrong way. How do we inculcate in children, teenagers growing up, this sharing of responsibilities?
2: what you've talked about there and when you say we have we have a view that this is how it should be you're completely right and that actually has an aim of it's it's internalized oppression so this unfair system most of us have never questioned it we've grown up and we've seen all around us that women tend to do this and men tend to do that and no one thinks there's anything wrong with that but when you sit down and question it you realize hang on a minute Like, why is that fair? Why should women who are busy trying to do their professional job be expected to do the large majority of everything else at home when that's a 60 hour week job? It isn't fair. So we have to get a new mindset. And we can help our children get a new mindset by being role models. So in your own home, we need to bring up our girls to expect more and we need to bring up our boys to do more. And they need to see their parents also sharing things. They, you ca- it can't be growing up thinking, "Oh, mommy does all of that, and daddy just does a bit of gardening when he's not busy." You know, that that that's a generation ago. But now we everybody's parents, everybody in their thirties and forties works, and yet we haven't got rid of the mindset from the nineteen forties and fifties, where on top of all of that, women still take care of the enormous job of managing a home and being a parent. That's the bit where we've got to catch up and you need to start being a role model yourselves, respecting each other and showing your children that you respect each other and that both your time is equally valuable. Sometimes children can think, oh, well, daddy's got a job and it's a very important job and mommy's job isn't so important. That's why he doesn't do much and mommy does everything. But if you see each other as equals, then your time is equally important. It doesn't matter whether one person works full-time part-time or not at all. If you're an equal couple, you should have equal free time free yes. time to do all the other things in life and you've got to role model that for your children and so if you don't teach your daughters how to bake, teach your son and daughter how to bake mm. don't get your daughters never you know give them an example that anything is uh, anything that that contributes to the welfare of the family should be done just by women
1: so mm. you have to walk the talk yeah oh my god did I get a land when I got married because me mother did everything for me I couldn't bless myself but I'll tell you my woman's fairly knocked me into shape because I either sank or swam and I can tell you I'm so delighted that I swam and have swum every um, minute since really you know to be uh, part and parcel of rearing of children of the home and that as well I think it's uh, it, it is you are so right it is the best way for everyone Everybody. Can I ask you this before I finish? And I'd love mm-hmm. to talk to you for all the day because there's so much in this. But look, my impression is that more men today are engaging and, are, and taking on a fair share. Agree or disagree?
2: Well, it's true that there are more than there used to be. But currently, the difference is like in Ireland, women do about 37 hours per week of unpaid uh, responsibilities, and uh, whereas men do about 18 Um, And the rate of change of this globally, it is changing, but it's like, for example, in the US, in married couples where both are working and have children, women still do about 11 hours per week more than their partners on top of equal jobs and coping with everything else. And this is the rate of change. Over 15 years, the rate of change was 15 minutes. So it's only changing by one minute per year. Mm. And that's not good enough. So because the time when we'll actually reach equality is 207 years from now. And any 20 year old, 30 year old woman listening right now has not got time for that. So we need a dramatic catch up. So I would recommend every single couple, particularly every couple who doesn't yet have children, but even those in their 30s and 40s who do, it's time to change this to make your relationship more equal now. Reclaim that time, have a much happier relationship, and men will get a lot more out of this. They'll have much more fulfilling, you know, mm. relations with their children and a far happier partner. So it's it's really just time to understand this, um, the scale of what the invisible job is. Yeah. Don't feel bad if you didn't understand it up to now. None of us did, but that's not a problem. But just have a look at the dot download what's in it, sit down with a bottle of wine, the Hmm. two of you, and work out how are we going to do this fairly? Because if we respect each other as equals, this is the biggest thing you can do to demonstrate that and have a happier relationship that isn't going to be
1: ending in disharmony yeah no. so w- words really well sent I'm just thinking here 207 years and I'm looking at the TV screens in here Jesus we'll be living on Mars sooner than we share the work <laughs> at home with the looks of things anyway it's called The Invisible Job you've done a great job I r- thoroughly enjoyed this book I highly recommend it by Paula Fines. it's available all over the w- uh, place and you can check out of course theinvisiblejob.com it's been great talking to you I hope to talk to you again
2: Jerry, thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Take care. That's Paula Fines there. The Invisible Job is the name of the book. I'm going to keep the book. We have Book Club Friday, so I'm going to throw that into the mix with Margaret Madden on Friday. It's a cracking book, I promise you. Late lunch, LMFM Radio still to come. We're heading to Washington shortly. You stay there. Don't go away, please.
5: I guess now it's time that you came back for good
1: Oh, what a lovely song. One of my favourites of all time. Take that and back for good on your late lunch this afternoon. Welcome to the show if you're just joining us. Listening on your radio this afternoon, or a smart device, your speaker. Don't forget the app as well, the LMFM radio app. Download it, get it onto your smartphone and you can listen to us no matter where you are. Alice is listening in NACE this afternoon. Congratulations on one of the best features I've ever heard Uh, you and your guest articulated so well uh, the the this issue, which is the issue we were talking about with Paula, finds a few moments ago the sharing of responsibilities in case you missed it. This issue is a key reason why employment legislation is so limited. Women in the workplace are always on the back foot due to carrying the bulk of domestic and parenting responsibilities. Well done. Thanks indeed for that lovely message, Alice, this afternoon. I hope you're keeping well. The windows, Louise, does, uh, you have something there to tell me about boards, have you, and windows and cleaning yeah, we've windows? Yeah, we got a
4: great text of just there's that many people texting me? My, my screen keeps <laughs> jumping. But I said, "Hi, Jerry. I used to get figaries all the time with my windows. Yeah. Uh, now I feed the birds on the windowsill. And the last time I washed my windows about six months ago, a couple of the birds flew into the windows and injured themselves because they were that clean, obviously. Oh. So that's my excuse for not washing my oh. windows anymore. I'm Nuala.
1: You're good, newlad. You're good. I like your excuse. That's the thing. You know, birds see the reflections in the glass. Yeah, that's that, oh yeah bored often thinks it's another board and then crash into the glass and uh anyway but you can't beat the clean windows another one there newspaper and vinegar have you ever used vinegar on windows No. did you ever mm, hear that
4: before yeah i did hear about did it i never never have though
1: but there you go I've vinegar and brilliant. newspapers jerry's like excellent no chips for in cleaning the windows <laughs> you see you're always taking your belly don't be like yeah. that. yeah fish <laughs> and chips Just salt and vinegar uh, what about that other news today we hear god i'm i'm guilty as proven Uh, A a real expert in the area saying that you should replace your toothbrush every three months.
4: Yeah, at least.
1: Three years.
4: Is it? No, it's not, (laughs) Cherry, is it? (laughs) It must be. But how often would you replace your toothbrush? Ah,
1: never. I just see it going a little bit... Flimsy, or I must get a new. One.
4: And would you just go for any toothbrush, or like yeah, would you look no, at soft, medium, hard bristles? I'd go or up and have you? a look and Nothing. see.
1: That looks nice. I like the color of that one. There, I'll have that one. Really? Yeah, and I'll ha- I'll change it then. But it'd have to be like you know, it'd be in a. I haven't changed mine. Three months. No, it's at least. Oh gosh. Eighteen months since I changed mine. At least, I'd say. So oh no, I have change to change
4: it for your gums and everything. I mm, must for change
1: you. it. Oh, she'll Listen, now teeth. I need. I need to change. it. But I know people get
4: comfortable with their toothbrush.
1: You do, and people have uh, an affinity with them. But there you are. That's the news today, folks. You should be changing your toothbrush every three months. An expert recommends to keep those whites whiter than white. Yes. Anyway, I'll have to attend to mine this evening now. After uh, being uh, informed of that news, I always love reading what she has to say in the Irish. Talk. Times, and one of her headlines on in Saturday's edition read eight die in latest US mass shooting as former worker opens fire at FedEx center but since that column appeared in the paper on Saturday, Austin, Texas, three people were mowed down yesterday, Wisconsin, three, and Ohio on Saturday, one in a drive-by and five wounded. Suzanne Lynch is the Irish Times-Washington correspondent, and she's on the line. Hello again, Suzanne. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Talk about epidemic, pandemics. This is out of control, isn't it? Look,
6: there is, as people know, um, there has been a huge issue with gun gun crime in this country. And um, as you say, this shooting last week that took place, it took place nearly close to midnight on Thursday night in a FedEx factory in Indiana. And it was a huge factory complex there and a former, it looks now like it's a former employee, a 19-year-old man, uh, went in there, he shot eight people dead. um, Many more injured, actually, quite seriously, we think. Um, and then as a kind of more details emerged this shooting it turned out that he had bought, legally bought, these two weapons uh, last year. But a few months previously, the FBI had been called to his house. His own mother called the FBI because she was concerned about uh, his ownership of a weapon in the house and that he would do something either to himself or someone else. Uh, she called the police. They confiscated his weapon. And there should be a system there. That he is then put on a system, a kind of red flag system, it's called, about concerns about him owning a gun. But something went wrong somewhere along the line that he then was able to walk into a gun store. A few months later, he bought two more dangerous weapons. And here we are now, less than a year later, he went in to this FedEx factory and and eight people are dead. So it's just yet another uh, example of the issue of, of gun violence here in America.
1: 50 mass shootings since the 16th of March. Now, 50, right? And a mass shooting is termed as at least three deaths, excluding the perpetrator. So on average, uh, just looking at the the uh, stats, 316, 316 people are shot every day, 106 on average die, which I work out to be 38,690 in a year. It would be like, Suzanne, to bring it back home here, if you just wiped out Dundalk or Drogheda, you know, everybody. Yeah, yeah.
6: It is a huge issue. I mean, they, obviously America has got the highest level of gun crime in the world because it's got the highest level of gun ownership in the world. America, in its constitution, uh, it's written that you have the right to bear arms. And this has become a, a calling cry for particularly people on the Republican side, but also even a lot of Democrats who believe it's Americans' right to hold guns. And... um you know, I talking to people obviously who've lived here all their lives. People have talked to me about how you know it's changed. Some of them, maybe you know, back in the '60s, they might the was going on ownership, but maybe it was for hunting or maybe the odd gun range. Whereas now, what seems to have happened is that um, these very like huge assault weapons you can now go in and purchase. And the other trend is that more people own several weapons. So it's more likely that one person will own maybe five or six guns. Uh, so when you hear the gun numbers, uh, that's what's happening. Uh, people are kind of concentrating, if you like, their supply of guns. I've been to gun shows, they're called here, where you just walk in and, you know, it's not just a small pistol. It's AK-47, huge war weaponry, really. Uh, and that's what I think seems to have changed over the last decade. It's not just guns have always been allowed to be owned in amount of that, but it's the type of gun now that are designed to do serious destruction, that you can, you know, kill, do mass mm. shooting events um, so easily with these weapons. Now, look, there are aims that they're trying to tighten up gun ownership rules, and Joe Biden has been talking about this. But, you know, even on the Democratic side, like Joe Biden, who's the Democratic president, he was quick to say, look, this is to assure Americans this is not going to affect your ability to own a gun. That's your right. So even on the Democratic side, I see no sense that, you know, this is ever really going to be changed. You know, most Americans uh, see it as a right to own a gun. They do back greater regulation around guns. But for us and for, frankly, most people in the world, this is anomalous. It's a unique thing about America that most of us, and to be honest, me living here just can't really get our heads around that, you know, gun ownership is accepted. It's seen as a right. And I can't see it changing anytime soon
1: here. Shocking to contemplate that, and you're so right. These are automatic weapons, the weapons of war, if it was limited to a shotgun or a rifle, single, you know, use. Well, you, you, you it would be very difficult to wipe out the numbers that they do at times with the weapons. So there you are. There's not a real, uh, you know, swell of opinion to, you know, really clamp down on this. That's basically what you're saying. Also, in the background is running. The George Floyd trial. It must be fractious times. That's the impression I get. Uh, Dante Rice, uh, you know, the the um, police enforcer, Kim Potter, pulled a gun rather than a stun gun, killed him. Adam Toledo, 13 years of age in Chicago, in Chicago didn't seem to have a weapon in his hands. It, its Is it as fraught as we get the impression on this side? Yeah, it
6: kind of is, and, and this is the other bit of the of the gun is, is debate is, is the uh, the use of guns by police, and um, you know this use of excessive police force is a major problem, and one part of that problem is the fact that you know police all carry weapons here; they openly carry them, and they have a gun at their disposal. Now, some people would say it's not just about guns and police. Obviously, everyone. The video last year of uh, the death of George Floyd when a policeman, Derek Chauvin, knelt on the neck of George Floyd and he died. So that was not using a gun. But what we have seen is that most of the, the killings that are done by police, so most of which they would say are kind of inadvertent killings, are done by guns. Um, you mentioned that young man, Daunte Wright, she was a 20-year-old black man who was driving uh, through Minneapolis, where the George Floyd trial is now happening, it happened to be in the same place he was pulled aside for a traffic violation, which was his license plates were expired. Over here, you have to kind of, a lot of states require you to update your, your license plate. And a lot, of, I, I had mine out date for a while. I didn't realize it's quite common. He, and with COVID, a lot of people have delayed. They can't get their license plate renewed. So he was called over and um, the. The situation escalated. They handcuffed him. He tried to get back in the car. He got back in the car. And then he said, this woman police officer pulled her gun and shot him dead. Um, so that had really added to tension in Minneapolis. I was there last week doing a story about it. The trial into George Floyd's killing. The clothing arguments begin today and we could have a verdict this week. I'll probably myself go back this week when that happens. And really... There are buildings being boarded up, there are protests every night, and yes, Sherry, it, it's very, very tense. I think people are on edge here in America about what this verdict is going to be in the trial. As everyone knows, the killing of George Floyd made international headlines, now this police officer is on trial, and um, a lot of people in Minneapolis feel they want to see justice done, so it depends how this jury is going to go, so... Um, it's really dominating the headlines here. Everyone is watching the trial every day and it's going to be hugely significant mm. when we have that
1: result. It certainly will. Uh, everybody brace to see the outcome. Now, in your American uh, letter, which you write regular, of course, in, in the uh, Irish Times, I was reading your travails about not getting home at all, you know, and you celebrated your second lockdown, Bertie. Hey, but well for you. You celebrated it in a <laughs> restaurant in Washington. Do you know how we are feeling, when we read things like that
6: i know i know i just wrote that piece jerry just look there's lots of different aspects of uh, to the covid pandemic obviously it's been very tough for everyone so i kind of wrote a kind of humorous piece about my own you know being here in america trying mm. to get home to ireland or hoping to get home um last year uh, when you still could get home with the Mantry hotel quarantine etc uh, ultimately i didn't but just kind of I think a lot of emigrants... I mean, I'm getting a lot of messages from emigrants all over the world, in America, in England, around Europe. Um, people want to go home with their, with their families, but grappling with that, obviously, there's, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are resistant to people coming back into the country. And, and just all that has been a huge part of the COVID debate. Um, and uh, just that's been part of my experience here. And, yeah, you're... you're you know, I, I haven't been home there for ages. I will get home eventually, hopefully this summer. Um, now, as you say there, America, it's been, we obviously, the numbers in America were huge last year, um, COVID cases and the COVID deaths, but uh, thankfully here in America, the vaccination, the vaccination program has been very quick. Mm. So I have got my two vaccines now, um, hence I was able to go out for dinner um, outside in a restaurant in Washington. Now, like, life is still pretty close in Washington, D.C., mask wearing is essential. it's mainly outdoor dining. Yeah. Because, I suppose, the climate here, you know, it's warmer, it's starting to get warm, I think that's going to stay the way over the summer. But All the museums are closed, cinemas are all closed, you know. But I suppose in America now we do feel we're turning a bit of a corner because the vaccination programme, actually from today, every adult in America is now eligible for a vaccine from April the 19th today. So it just does feel here that we're turning a corner just slightly ahead on Europe. In terms of the
1: vaccine distribution. Mm. And uh, like I have to say though, Suzanne, being logical here as well, our numbers in ICU and hospital are well down, which is great to hear. We're getting more supplies of the vaccine. We're certainly ready to ramp up now. So hopefully, uh, here we'll see the benefit mm. of all that, especially the vaccination soon. And you will get home to I- enjoy yeah. it. Just uh, before you go, Joe will be approaching the 100 days shortly. And you know, that's a real mi- milestone for any new president. In a few words, how's he done?
6: I think he's done very well. I mean, Joe Biden has done what he said he going to do. He's restored some calm uh, to the White House. And he is, you know, he's off Twitter. He just sends very uh, straightforward, factual tweets every so often. So, you know, there is a sense of relief here, I think, in the country, uh, even for people Whatever you thought of Donald Trump, just as the, the drama of the Trump presidency has receded and as someone now who's just kind of doing the job pretty quietly. In saying that, he's actually done quite a bit. Um, he's uh, introduced this new stimulus plan, which is a $2 trillion huge uh, impact um, of money into the economy. People have been getting checks, direct checks uh, sent to them in the mail, this part of the stimulus plan. Um, so basically spending a lot of money on the economy, his job now is to try and get the American economy going again as it comes out uh, of this this pandemic-induced recession, I suppose. Uh, and so politically, I think what's been interesting about Joe Biden is that he's actually much more kind of left-wing than a lot of people would have thought. Um, during the presidential campaign, people like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, were much more to the left. Joe Biden has kind of surprised people. He's all about spending money, um, you know, uh, giving more tax credits for childcare, much more left-wing ideas of, 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 of helping people who need to be helped in the country. And um, so it's not always headline stuff, but in a quiet way, he's actually been quite radical. Uh, so I think he's going to be quite pleased with how he did. In saying that, I think, as you just said there, the racial issue, the police crime, the gun issue, that is becoming a huge issue here. Now we will see how this week goes if there is a verdict in this trial. But, you know, that could be something that presents him with a real challenge now to lead the country if we see some of the kind of process we saw last year at the death of George Floyd, when we have the results of this trial. So, so let's see. So that could be there coming along the line.
1: Listen, you're so good. Uh, We appreciate your time as always and wish you uh, a happy birthday belatedly and uh, good on you and uh, uh, tell all the folk in Trim she will be this way, please God, in 2021. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Always lovely to have a chat with you. Thank you, Gary, thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Suzanne Lynch there, the Irish Times-Washington correspondent, giving us a good synopsis of across-the-board issues in America. We love American uh, news and politics, don't we? We've a huge interest there. The Irish lobby, look at all that went there and made good from this country over the years as well. And. there you go. It's lovely to have that quiet, isn't it, with Joe Biden. Where is the other fella? Who gives a damn where he is? I bet he's on a golf course somewhere today. I hope he bogeys every hole. Late Lunch L M F M Radio. Stay with us. Hi Jerry, this is amazing for cleaning your windows. No streaks or smears, just sparkling windows. Good luck. Love your show, says Mary. Louise, I think I have something for your chips. Oh yeah, (laughs) this looks this looks like the job. Fresh and bright white vinegar. It says for glass, laundry, and grease. Multi-purpose. Did you ever see that stuff before? Well, there'd be a bit of grease on the chips, is right. I th- would no. Don't, <laughs> don't give that a go. Chips, I no. <laughs> I don't think that's the vinegar for your chips. To be honest with you, no, no. But what? Where did you ever get stuff like that? Did you ever buy stuff like that in the shop? I, no, think, I
4: think home store and more and places like that do, do they sell have it as special. Well, stuff like Mary
1: that. swears by it. She really does. She says there's no job like it for cleaning the windows. Guess what I saw yesterday? My first visitor from Africa. A swallow or a martin I don't know which he was down around the house. I just saw him on his own fluttering around. That's the first one I've seen. i he near your windows.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you they built one year in the apex? You know, the apex of the roof. But you see, mine are PVC. And when they build, it doesn't stick to it. The mud, you know, the mud, they build yeah. the little, their, their house martins. They build them They it wouldn't stick to it at all. And they tried it, tried oh. about two or three times. They dropped to the ground. It just won't on the PVC fascia. They can't stick it to that. But then, you see, they cop on after a while and they, they go elsewhere. But I was just delighted to see the first of them. when There's one there's probably more around. And I know they arrived in March in places as well. But the weather was shocking cold. I'd say they had an old struggle to survive uh, at that stage. But there you go. But, Louise, just come back to Suzanne Lynch there, when you contemplate that, Louise, what what those facts I mentioned there, 316 people are shot every day in the USA. Mm.
4: That's so scary. That's an average.
1: 106 die. Almost 39,000 people in a year. It's ferocious numbers, isn't it? It is very scary. You know, and like, I know the right to bear arms, but good God, we were talking about a cannon, a little ball and a puff of powder in, in, mm-hmm. in one, you know, in a gun, the right to bear. But um, gee,
4: when you tonight. have something like that, such a dangerous weapon, like if you get angry at all, you have the rest of your life in prison to regret it
1: that's it and people just snap you know what I mean and that guy like the weekend at the FedEx but that was shocking I didn't understand that sub story where the mother warned police you know what I mean that that she said and yet he still got round the system and was able to buy the gun God almighty think of all those people who've lost their lives and their bereaved families and the schools you know the school shootings Mm. that happening as well it's just shocking, really. Well, we thankfully can't. Thankfully, it's head. not allowed here. Well, you, it's it's. I, I say this again. It's one. It's a credit I give to the state here that it's difficult to get a now an illegal gun. You know that's a different sort. But to to hold a license for a gun here, it's difficult to get. And you're talking about generally, you know, a single. Um, you, you know option with a gun they're not automatic weapons Louise where you can spray people with things on the multiple oh you have to have you
4: know license and all the security yes. cabinets and everything don't you yes
1: hey by the way do you know what Louise said to me I'm going to out her here ladies and gentlemen oh, no. today she said if Jose gets the Dundalk job.
4: She, <laughs> I will, I'll be the number booking one She's season Dundalk ticket in
1: Oriel Park. I'll I tell don't you know what. anything
4: about football, he'd but when he's on, there, I'd
1: watch it. You'll be at that door. <laughs> Do you
4: like him that much? You yeah. Seriously? Well, I haven't seen him in a few years, but yeah. years ago when he was over Chelsea, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. watch all the matches. <laughs> just for him at the
1: end. <laughs> Do you see this? Do you see this? You know, it's the looks. There's nothing about the blackguard he <laughs> is or the the he is to work for anything. Anyway, he's it's the best job in the world. Friend of mine, Declan Keane, always said it. Say hello to Declan today. The job you want in life is a football manager and to be sacked and sacked multiple times because they have to be paid millions in compensation. His contract has to be paid out now to the end of the contract.
4: So you know, and well, that's to a To be useless is better than oh, to it's be fantastic.
1: Yeah, don't be a fantastic man. Just stay with a club all your life. Get sacked. Get sacked at Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, the big six who are gone to the Super League. Super wages when you're sacked. That is the dream job, to be a sacked manager. Uh, In football, it really, really is. Jerry, the best window cleaner is definitely Fabulosa Sweet Cherry Scent. When the sun shines, you get the gorgeous scent through the room. I've just cleaned my windows again just for the scent. And no streak or extra wipes needed. One wipe and you're done. Love it. The best thing ever, says a listener. Thank you so much for that lovely message to the show today. I like the smell of cherries anyway. Fabulosa. Oh, yes, I like that. My windows will smell and look gorgeous. Thank you indeed for sending us the message. Thanks to everybody who have uh, been in touch by WhatsApp or text. Uh, our bingo is starting, as you know, next Monday. Daily price, 400 weekly jackpot on Wednesday 5000 and we're supporting the National Council for the Blind in Ireland uh, you can buy your books at a range of shops a couple of them there just reading from the list Upton Dalkway Sheelans in Riverstown have them Super Value at the Fairways in the Royal County you can get them in Farley Centre and Abbey Crescent in Navan. Smith's News Agent in that boy they have them but you can also buy them remember online at lmfm.ie and play the bingo game Ah, oh, the fun starts next week for sure, and the winner of those books on late lunch today, four books, she'll be playing four weeks, is Peter McGurk from uh, Marion Park in Drogheda. Well done to you, Peter. We'll be in touch to make the arrangement for the books. I hope you win with them. I really do hope you win. Now, my artist of the week, his middle name is Travis. He is, of course, Glenn Travis Campbell, who was born in April the twenty second in nineteen thirty six singer, musician, songwriter, TV presenter, and actor. Glenn came from Billstown near Arkansas. He came from a Scottish stock, yes, yeah, Scottish uh, veins uh, ran through this man, they certainly did he was of his family was of deep faith, his parents were farmers, and Glenn was the seventh son of 12 children. Big, big family. Money was tight, so much so uh, that they had to go picking cotton on other farms in the area to supplement their meagre income. Campbell's dad, John, bought Glenn a $5 guitar when he was only four, and his uncle taught him the basics of playing. He first appeared on radio, listen to this, when he was only six years of age and continued to play part-time during his teenage years. He quit school at 14 and worked on a number of unskilled jobs. Before 1954, at 17, he joined his uncle's band, I love this, Dick Bill's and the Sandia Mountain Boys. What a name that is. Four years, later, uh, four years later, he struck out on his own, forming the Western Wranglers. In the early 60s, he moved to LA, became in demand as a session musician and part of a group called the Wrecking Crew. He signed with Capitol Records, who actually considered dropping him because he had a string of songs and they went nowhere. He befriended Elvis Presley and worked with Elvis. And he stood in for Brian Wilson. Did you know this? He stood in with Bri- for Brian Wilson with the Beach Boys. But solo success eluded him until 1967 when this one set Glenn Campbell on his way to stardom. It's- yes, Glen Campbell, my artist of the week this week and gentle on my mind. I have his greatest... Hit CD and I'm often working at home and I have a plane in the background I absolutely love him he's wonderful and we'll bring you more about Glenn and his incredible life story Oh, my God, where's that come from? <laughs> Mr. Campbell must be talking to me from somewhere else. Yes, you know, it was a sad, his passing, and that's when he uh, developed dementia and wonderful film made about that last couple of years of his uh, performing before he actually had to retire from stage. But we'll bring you more about Glenn and his wonderful music right about this time on Late Lunch tomorrow afternoon. Final break of the day, and when we come back, we're going to find out what a day in the life of a healthcare assistant is all about no need to remind you that healthcare workers working in the community have played a pivotal role this last uh, 13 months or so in dealing with covid and helping people they've been godsends well, we're going to chat to one of them now she's a healthcare assistant with comfort keepers vivian darcy welcome to late lunch hi jerry thank you for having me on oh not at all you're very welcome to the show tell us this why did you choose this career for you know for you at this point in time in your life
5: um, well I'm with comfort keepers four and a half years now, and I suppose job satisfaction is is something we all we all look for um in a job and it's definitely something that comfort keepers have have given me mm. um i suppose to be able to go into a home and and change you know, and have an impact on on someone's life is is massive. Um, So definitely job satisfaction was was one of my main reasons for applying with Comfort Keepers.
1: Do you have to have uh, something extra? Do you know the way they say nursing is a vocation? Is, you know, is care, is it something that you have to have innate within you, always there anyway?
5: I, I, I think so. I think um, it does take a very special type of person to, to, I suppose, take on take on the job. And you're dealing with a variety of, of you know, family members. And um, in some cases, you're dealing with a variety of different types of clients and personalities. So, I suppose to have have that flexibility um, and adaptability is really, really important. And I suppose. You know, what What we look for when we're, we're hiring um, our healthcare assistants is, you know, someone who has a caring nature, who's extremely open-minded, um, a good listener, because a lot of the time, sometimes, you know, you need to be that shoulder to cry on. Yes. Um, a good communicator, and I suppose, a passion to help people and to enhance someone's life. Mm. Um, and, of course, empathy and respect is, is i without
1: saying Ah yes and that really does sum up the role for sure what do you enjoy if I was to pin you down today and say what do you enjoy most about the role you perform
5: Oh I think you know every day is very different that's one thing I'll say you're not doing the same thing on a daily basis um, you could go in with um, an idea of what the day is going to look like and it can change very very quickly um, what What I love is I suppose meeting different types of people um hearing clients' stories, um, dealing with families, uh, whether that be of, you know, young adults with intellectual disabilities, or equally our elderly clients who were going in, you know, who who in some cases can be in, you know, a really vulnerable situation. And to be able to, I suppose, offer mm. your ear in some cases, but yes. equally to be able to deliver that personal care to people is really important.
1: Um, it's a challenging role, no doubt. What about this last year in particular? Has it just added to the difficulty? Has, I, I take it that goes without saying.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, it, you know, in some industries, obviously jobs, you know, stopped, work stopped for a lot of people. In our industry, um, we just got busier, Um so. I suppose you know what the company has done is you know there was a lot of daily management calls that would have been put in place to roll out extra quality, extra safety for our carers and obviously our um, our clients. We would have you know massive influence on um, PPE mm.
0: um,
5: to ensure that you know our carers are using it correctly, equally putting it on correctly and taking it off correctly. And the disposal of that as well. So a lot of training around that whole area was given. But in particular, I think, you know, a lot more communication. We we communicate on a daily basis. But in particular with our clients, a lot of welfare calls would have gone into place because a lot of these people all of a sudden went from, you know, being socially active in the community to being told they had to cocoon. So, um, in a lot of cases, our carers were that lifeline for people that, you know, they were going into the house with their protective equipment on, but... They were a face. They could see, they were yes. there. They could see them. Um, so, yeah, a, a lot was implemented by the company over the last year.
1: And and your, the, the people you care for, obviously, they were more anxious as well. They're well aware of the dangers of COVID. Were they amenable and just went with the flow as regards, you know, the new you type of people coming in, the new procedures you had to adopt, wearing all that equipment?
5: Yeah, I think, you know, social isolation and loneliness was definitely... Um, new for a lot of people because that cocooning phase of, you know, people were told, particularly our over 70s, 80s, 90s, were told to isolate. So um, it was a big change. They mm. was, a lot of people would have been used to going to daycare centres and, you know, being socially active in the community, and then all of a sudden that stopped. So, you know, I think at the beginning it was quite tough for people, but, um you know, a lot of the clients we go to, in particular you know they're extremely resilient they adapt to change and thankfully we're you know we're coming out the other end of it now Yeah. Um, so yeah at the beginning there was there was there was, there was fear out there but I mm. think we're, we're, we've definitely turned a corner
1: You've obviously and you mentioned already you've got great support from your employer Comfort Keepers uh, are there opportunities you, you mentioned all the traits that are required there why you love it you're selling it well I have to say Vivian this <laughs> afternoon are there opportunities at the minute with the company?
5: Absolutely. It's, you know, it's this industry is growing. It's only going to get bigger. Um, we've an aging population, you know, that we want to keep people at home for as long as we possibly can, and, and rightly so. Um, so just to give you an example, in RD in particular, we would have had, you know, one of our ladies that came in as a part-time carer. She moved in then to a full-time caring role. She then decided, you know, what, I might actually go for an office role, which she did. Um, and got it and now she's a client care supervisor within the loud region so I suppose the opportunity for progression and that's one thing I will say even from my own personal experience like they promote if it's an area you want to get into whether it be disabilities whether it be you know intellectual uh, disabilities whether it be older persons we, we create paths for people who want to progress
1: Mm. and if somebody listening or anybody listening to us today is interested in finding out more where do they go is it the website
5: yeah so you can go to our website it's www.comfortkeepers.ie and in there there's a variety of job opportunities so it's you know there's office opportunities but also caring opportunities and you apply through that link and someone from our recruitment team will be in contact with you and um get you into the process and and get you get you in as quickly as we can and kind of go through all all the checks that needs to be done.
1: After listening to you this last while, uh I wouldn't have any doubts. you'd highly recommend it as a career.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. Without shadow of a doubt. I think it's it's a job that you get so much, you give so much, but you get you get it back tenfold and I think You know, job satisfaction for for most people is is really, really important. And I I definitely, definitely would um, recommend this as a career.
1: Thank you so much for joining me. I wish you well with your career. Comfortkeepers.ie, all the information is there. Thank you so much. And thank you to all your colleagues and everybody involved in the business who've done a wonderful job for so many people. As you said there as well, at times, uh, probably the only point of contact maybe for some people as well, but that job and that contact and everything you've done, thank you for it.
5: Great, Jerry. Thanks a million. Thanks for Thanks having me for on. Thanks for
1: joining me on the show. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Vivian Bye-bye. Darcy there. bye Isn't she lovely? Yeah, healthcare assistant with Comfort Keepers. Comfortkeepers.ie if you want to find out more information. Anyway, that's a lot on Late Lunch this Monday in April. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Oh, yeah, one thing I did want to mention. When the Super League was announced, I have to hand it to Bray Wanderers Football Club. They tweeted immediately, just confirming Bray won't be part of of the European Super League well done to the Wanderers top of the league and out of the blocks for congratulations to them anyway we're going to leave it at that for today Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Stand by for some great music. And tomorrow on Late Lunch, it's the Kellys all the way. Yes, Sinead Kelly is here. Our vet with advice. Kathy Kelly, the wonderful author, is with me. She's a new book. She's on the show. Me, I'm so looking forward to it. And there's a fella called Jerry Kelly as well. You might know him. He'll be here too tomorrow. See you at half one for Tuesday's Late Lunch. Have a good evening.
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Let us amaze you with our fantastic used car offers. With over 300 different makes and models, we have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars to choose from. Let Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you. Finance can be arranged to suit all budgets. Call or visit blackstonemotors.ie today to find your next car.
0: It's that time of the year.
4: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.